welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill, all the way from Franklin, Tennessee, down under. They have real southern accents, so get ready, Canadians. They don't say A, they say huh, y'all. And uh, they are the founders of the Connection Codes. They are Michelle and I's counselors for the last five years. We believe in counseling. We believe in having people in your life that know you better than anybody else knows you. And they do. And I was telling somebody, you know, yesterday out of all the guests that we've had in over the years, uh, I probably feel the most, like, intimidated, insecure, and vulnerable around them because they know everything about our lives. Everything. <laughs> like, everything. Like, they're, like, knee-deep into our lives. <laughs> is your mic on? Yeah, I don't know if I can yes, hear Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. And so, I want you, as a house, as Ottawa, to give a warm welcome. Maybe stand up. Let's just honor where honor is due. Let's welcome Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill. Well, welcome. Welcome to our land. Welcome to Ottawa. It's your first time in Ottawa. Yes, it is. We think so. Yeah. I don't know if I'm on. Yeah, I'm on. You yeah. are. Can you bring the mics up? Please, please bring the mics up. What, um, what's, your, what's your perspective so far of Ottawa? What do you think about it? I love it. Well, the, it's not fair because our welcome has just been incredible. And just connecting with so many people that we already knew uh, a little bit, although I can neither confirm nor deny specific people. But um, it's just been amazing. It's just so thrilling. So just a little bit of a, one, a little more caveat for you guys. Like, so you, are, uh, you guys are both marriage and family therapists. You've been doing that for decades now. You're authors. You're the founders of the Connection Codes, which is a human-based or a science-based approach to human connection. Did I get that right? Uh, you are a clinical sexologist, sex therapist, PhD, and you have one of the most inspiring marriages I've ever met and encountered in my life. So that is my introduction of them. And uh, yeah, what, do you want to say anything? No, prepare to to, to open yourself up because they're the realist. I think we were having a conversation with somebody and we were saying, I've never met somebody so vulnerable. Like, you guys are probably the most vulnerable person that we've ever met. And you're our counselors. Like, usually they're like stone-faced, like they have it all together, they're perfect, they don't open up. And it's just so amazing how you guys don't just, like, preach, but you actually are modeling it. It's awesome that you're, like... (laughs) You're sharing with us, you're encouraging us, but at the same time, you guys are modeling the very thing that you're encouraging us. And so it's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for having us, Ottawa, uh, Kingdom Culture. It is really special to be here uh, in, in person. Uh, we've been wanting this for years and finally are here, and we love that. Um, if you don't know who we are, uh, we've been married 41 years. We've been together Yes, 45. that deserves an applause in this day and age. Well, that also means we're old. So, 
but uh, we have four children, 11 grandchildren, one more on the way in November, so we'll have 12 at that point. And, you know, part of our story comes from a lot, a lot of pain and um, unexpected pain. So we've been believers our whole lives and uh, loved God, always have, went into marriage thinking that we had that checklist, right? We did the things. We honored God in our dating. We honored him in our wedding. And very quickly after uh, being married, matter of fact, on our honeymoon, connected, disconnected in a huge way. And I didn't know what was happening, felt uh, very abandoned by God in those moments, uh, very confused and uh, hurt, and then really didn't know how to even communicate that to Glenn. So I just wanted to avoid him. I knew I was married for life, but man, it was painful right at the beginning. And it lasted for years and years and years. And uh, along the way, we got help. And when we did, it was like I went from thinking I was just broken uh, to realizing, whoa, I just didn't know. There was so much about marriage we didn't know. And once we started getting traction with our own marriage, we knew we had to speak. We knew we had to share our story. And I know, you know, I mean, even Michelle saying we're very transparent, vulnerable. I don't know of any other way to be um, without us sharing our story, without sharing the pain, without sharing what we've been through. Um, and what we are still, we're just pilgrims on the journey, and we've learned a lot. Glenn went back to school and uh, got a lot of degrees, and I stood by his side as he did that, supported him while he did that. But what we do today is because we want to, I think we talk a lot about hope, and then we go, okay, well, now what? I want hope. I believe in hope. I believe in redemption. I believe in all marriages can, can shine. But how do we get there? And so uh, Connection Codes is all about that. How do we connect with each other if we're married? But it's far beyond that. How do we connect with each other? Like we wound each other so much. And not because we want to or have a heart for that. It's that we don't know. We don't know how to really show up for each other, how to hear each other, how to listen to each other, how to sit in each other's pain. We are really uncomfortable with that. We want to move on. We want to uh, quickly get to the other side, and we're, we have a hard time just sitting in each other's pain. So that is part of our story, and we just thank you for being here today and for um, listening and allowing us to share a little bit about who we are. And one of my great fears in our faith-based communities is that we love God passionately, and that sounds good. I've never met the person yet, the faith-based person that goes, well, that's a bad idea. That's stupid. No, everybody agrees with that. But Jesus said, well, what, what, you know, because they're asking him, they're challenging him, you know, what matters? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, 10-4. That's great. That, you say 10-4 in Canada? Everybody know what that is? Okay. Uh, but then Jesus said, and the second is just like the first. And we forget that. Love one another. And we just lose that. Uh, the Apostle John uh, was the only apostle that wasn't martyred. He lived to be very, very old. And um, he uh, 
was just known for always saying, if you read, you know, first, second, third John, you see that we woven through the whole thing. And he, his response to everyone, when they would ask him a question, he would say, love one another. And a man came up to him and he said, I've got this situation with my neighbor. And, you know, he went on and explained it all. He goes, I don't want you to just say love one another. So he got in all the nitty gritty of the details. And uh, when he finished, um, uh, the apostle John said, love one another. And the man goes, I said, don't say that. That's not the answer here. And John said, if you love one another, that's all you need. You'll figure all the other stuff out. So when we operate out of love, the problem that it solves everything. The problem is we don't know how to do that. So we get up, we show up on Sunday mornings, which is awesome and wonderful. And we declare the love of the Holy One. We declare love for the Holy One. Wonderful. 100%. 1,000% for that. How do we love each other? Eh, we don't really know. We just, I love what Matt said. And I grew up in a very, very conservative religious group. And um, the story I heard, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but the little boy uh, was in the Sunday school class, and the teacher said, uh, what's, what's gray and furry and collects nuts and jumps from tree to tree? And the little boy goes, it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus. Because he knew that that was the right answer. So that's my fear is that we think, well, just say Jesus and that solves everything. Well, not really. There was a pretty significant book that was written to explain this. And if you go from Genesis 1 through Revelation 22 and mark out all the scriptures that are about interpersonal relationships, you will have a very small pamphlet at that point because you will have X'd out almost everything in scripture. It's about how we function in relationship, certainly with God. I don't take away from that for a second, but with each other. And we miss that way too much. For those of you who don't know the box of oohs, uh, we said that ooh is always the right response, always the correct uh, answer. Learn to ooh people. Jesus was an amazing ooer. Uh, I'm convinced, you know, and in, in so many scenarios, you know, they dragged this woman in front of Jesus. And they said, the law of Moses says we should stone such a woman. What do you say? And I'm convinced that Jesus ooed for a while. We don't know. The scripture doesn't specify. But he knelt down and he, he drew in the sand. Was that for a minute, two minutes, five minutes? We don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. And I'm also not sure, but that Jesus knew as a human, I need a moment here. Because I need to respond to this perfectly. For a variety of reasons, not the least of which, this woman's life is on the line. This isn't just a game. This is life. And he eventually stood up. And you know what he said about whether or not they should stone her? He said, yeah, you should. But, 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 but just, just, just make sure the person that throws the first stone is without sin. And I'm certain that there are people standing in that group that are just like, yes, we get to stone her. I, I mean, I'm not going to throw the first stone. Obviously, I'm going to wait. And so they just waited. And nobody threw a stone. And finally, the, per, the, old, the scripture says the oldest person there was like, shoot, it's obviously not me, but you know what? These young guns, they'll, they'll take care of this woman. They will deal with her. And just for the record, they said they caught her in the act of adultery. I assume you know enough about adultery. If you catch somebody in the act of adultery, you know who else is involved? The man. Well, where's the man? It's a side note, but it kind of annoys me. It's like, wait a minute. If you caught them in the act of adultery, and I don't know, but that it was their friend. And they're like, dude, get out of here. But we got her. And so, and I just think that's so wretched that you know, they wanted to stone her, the dude, uh, don't worry about him. Anyway, and they eventually just all left. 
And then Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? She was like, I don't, I don't really know. And that changed, saved her life and changed her life forever. So learn to ooh. The great prophet Jeremiah is one of my all-time favorite ooings. Um, the great prophet Jeremiah is confronting the great, or it wasn't even confronting, actually, the great pro, false prophet Hannah and I was confronting him. And uh, they're talking about the um, taking over of uh, Israel. And Hananiah says, just goes on and on. He's just, you know, siding up to the king. And he says, oh, it's going to be great, king. Everything's going to be awesome. And Jeremiah listens to it all. And when Hananiah finishes, Jeremiah says, amen and amen. May it be exactly as you. He just ooed him. He's just present with him. And he says, may it be exactly as you say. That sounds amazing. That's that's wonderful. Yes. But just so that you know, if you're not dead soon, then your prophecy is true. But if you die soon, your prophecy is not true at all. And he said, I happen to know from the Holy One that your prophecy is completely false. And Hananiah died shortly uh, thereafter. But even in that moment, Jeremiah ooed him and said, absolutely, dude. Amen and amen. Sounds great. Hope it works out that way. Uh, it's not going to because I've heard a word from the Holy One that it's not. But even in that moment, and this is the reason we say ooing is always the right answer. Just be present with each other. And again, that's with the great prophet, the great false prophet, Hananiah. Uh, so with your friends, my gosh, just ooh them. Jesus was an amazing ooer. Jesus virtually never answered a question. He virtually always answered a question with a question. Because he wanted people to think. And it annoyed the apostles greatly. Finally, it's like, why do you do that? That's so annoying. And Jesus said, those who have ears to hear will hear. And those who don't won't. So there's no sense fighting with people. doesn't make any difference. Just ooh them, follow their energy, find out what's happening for them, be present with them. And if they are going to learn and grow and develop and evolve, they will. And if they're not, you're just wasting your time. Anyway, there's no point in it. So ooing is like slowing down Absolutely. as well. It slows you down so you're not yeah. reacting yeah. in what you're going to say. And just so to clarify, ooh is not, it could be anything because we had a seminar yesterday and I could just hear all the voices around. It could be like, it's just acknowledging somebody. It's hearing, making somebody feel heard. It doesn't mean that you're saying, ooh. It's just like nodding. Oh, yeah, I hear you. I get that. It's just like really just acknowledging what they're saying. And then, you know, in the second phrase, like if you want to go a little bit into that. Yeah, we call it the three phrases. And again, I just want to emphasize what Michelle is saying. Jeremiah said that to Hananiah knowing Hananiah was a false prophet, knowing it was a false prophecy, knowing that Hananiah was lying, and he still was present with it. Like, what? If Jeremiah should have been calling down hellfire on yeah, him or something, exactly. and he didn't. He's like, absolutely, dude. Sounds great. Amen and amen. If that's the case, let's do it. Well, the, the, the phrase, what's happening, is that I, I love the, the thought that Jesus answered questions with questions, and the power in that is that if someone else figures out uh, what is happening for them, you're going to also hear truth that you may not know. And uh, there's such great conversation in that. It slows you down. The ooh is an audible response to someone. They feel heard. And then w when you ask that question, what happens for you in that, you may hear a bit of their story you've, nev you've never known. And through them sharing 
uh, a bit of a story. You may hear something of their childhood, something of, of maybe their interaction with their dad at some point in their life or just something you don't know. And I think we're so quick to give advice. We're so quick to answer uh, questions. And it is amazing, you know, Jesus being the greatest example that's walked this earth to think he wasn't quick. And he actually had all the answers, right? He had the perfection in knowing each person that was asking. So he had all the answers. And yet he still wanted people to find the answers on their own. And when you say to someone what's happening, it gets them to slow down and for them to go, hmm, that's a good question. What is happening for me? And that's a lot of, if you if you weren't here yesterday and you don't know much about the connection codes, that's the tools that we teach are very practical, yeah. are just understanding even uh, how God created our bodies. There's a lot of science in it, yeah. uh, which I think is very powerful yeah. to understand. Wow, I was designed this way. I was from birth uh, coded, we call it, meant to be this way. And we just get off track. We get affected by our families of origin, by uh, the environment we grew up in, by the culture. And so we kind of lose that. Uh, and I think God calls us back to that innocence, to just understanding who we are. And through science, as you know, nowadays we get to learn so much quicker and more because of technology and we talk a lot about emotions for uh, my story I didn't know that my brain housed emotions I didn't know that that was a God given part of who I am I very strongly believed that I could opt out of emotions or I could choose joy and only joy I didn't know that my brain fired other emotions all day long and it's it's such a beautiful way to understand that God has a way of communicating with us through that channel and uh, I always think of it as text messages from God but I have to slow down to read them I have to slow down to tune in to them and go okay God what is happening with me what are you trying to guide me through what are you trying to protect me from and that is uh, just a beautiful part of who we are and we all are this way we can't opt out so just before we dive in a little bit deeper into this emotional side of us and human connection which is Kind of what we're talking about. We're giving you a little bit of a taste test right now. You weren't you weren't in the marriage the the mini marriage lab yesterday. You you kind of would be maybe a little missing some of it. But the point is to be present. The point is to find human connection. And we I've learned so much. We both learned so much from you. It's affected every area of my life. My kids. It's radically changed the way my kids interact. The way that I interact with my kids. You know, because in the beginning of of parenting, you want to fix your kids emotions all the time you know it's like you said it yesterday it's like they come in they're in pain they're crying and your first response is like you're good you're good you're good trying to like convince them but they're in pain they're bleeding out they're in pain they feel the pain and like I just love that because that's I think everybody in the beginning parents like that at some level unless they've had some sort of amazing eye-opening revolution right beforehand but I do want to say this because I want to dive nose like head head on into this right now um, we live in a culture right now that's so divided. Marriages are breaking down. Uh, people don't know how to have a relationship. The pandemic kind of probably exacerbated a little bit of that by putting everybody online. And so there's a real fracture in relationships and um, a real disconnect. And churches are divided now uh, from a political 
point of view, you know, they want to know, are you a left church or are you a right church? Like now, it's a totally different landscape right now, especially in Canada. And it's really sad. And all of what you teach and all of what you bring in the connection codes really, to me, is to bridge that gap and to heal that gap. And so can we just dive in a little bit to the, the science of how God has created us for connection because you said it in the beginning we, we can't even god said you know it's not good for men to be alone like god created perfection he created man he said wait wait, wait. it's not enough man and woman together relationship interdependence on each other is going to be a reflection of who i am not a single individual but relationship god loves community god loves relationship how do we have healthy relationship and, and live and, out our God yeah. design? And just like from what I've heard, because even in the church, like you were saying how your your brain fires emotion first. Like you're, it's not in your heart, right? And especially in the church, we're always, it's always like in the heart, even outside of church. But I'm like, wow, we're just a bunch of people walking this earth with a bunch of emotions. You think it's going to be like a bunch of thoughts, but it's actually a bunch of emotions that are creating thoughts and belief system and so on, so on. So, but what he was saying, how, like, this, what you guys are sharing, in the end, like, we all, we all want to be heard. <laughs> Our emotions validated, right? And feel heard. Not yeah. just be heard, but yeah, feel heard. but feel heard. Yeah. Well, I have to show this real quick. Remember that, where we're going to go, because I just want to fill that little gap in, because... Uh, again, just another example where Jesus, so the, a group comes to Jesus and said, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? Well, this is a tricky question. And Jesus knew the answer, and he did not give it. So Jesus, again, as Michelle says, slowing them down, said, and again, we don't know if he paused. We're not really sure. Scripture doesn't specify that. But Jesus goes, well, show me a coin. Well, these are all poor people. They don't have a coin. Everybody's like, anybody got a coin? So that, I don't know, takes them 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, whatever. Somebody finds a coin, and then Jesus says, well, whose inscription is on the coin? Well, most of them are illiterate, so somebody's like, anybody can read? So they find somebody that can read. So again, just buying time, buying time, buying time. And finally, they say, uh, oh, it's Caesar's inscription. Jesus goes, oh, well, then give to Caesar what's Caesar's, to God's what's God's. And everybody walks away going, whoa, that was deep, dude. That was so... What was the answer? There's no answer in there. But again, Jesus knew. Let them think about it. You are so much better off asking five questions and getting the person to process it and figure it out than you are telling them the answer. And we, I believe, out of good motivation, good intent, great desire, we help people too much. Stop helping people. Start listening to them. And they will figure it out in the process. And then, you know what they're going to do tomorrow when they're faced with a similar challenge? They'll know how to figure it out. And instead, what we do is we tell them the answer. You know what they're going to have to do tomorrow when they have another problem? They're just going to have to come back to you because they're dumb as they ever were. You didn't help them at all. We think, And I'm not criticizing your intention in it, but we actually don't help them. Ultimately, we are actually making them weaker. It's kind of like if you go to a gym, you know, Sean and I went to a gym, which I would never go to a gym with him, but let's pretend for a second. So we go to the gym together, and Sean just adores me, respects me, cares so deeply about me. So he runs in front of me, and he does all of the exercises. 
And at the end of an hour and a half, for me it'd be like 10 minutes, but whatever. So, and we're pretending here. So after an hour and a half workout, Sean's like, yeah, dude, we busted. I'm like, I I didn't do anything. Sean's like, well, I know, I love you and I care about you, so I did all of the exercises for you. I'm like, dude, that made me weaker. I'm now weaker than when I entered this gym. Sean's like, what? No, I helped you. We, we did this together as a team. No, we didn't. He did all of the exercising, and he didn't even need it. I did. So he's actually made me worse from trying to help me. And it sounds great. It's like, oh, look how much Sean loves Glenn. No, that's not love. That actually makes me worse. And I'm going to be weaker tomorrow when I have to go back to the gym again. So let people exercise. Let your children exercise. Ask your eight-year-old, oh, wow, buddy. So help me get you. Help them process the emotion first. So, so what happens for you there? I feel like I might be missing something. And then you get to the fourth phrase, what do you need? And let this eight-year-old figure it out. And I get it. You don't want an eight-year-old driving a car because they're not really capable of that yet. Because they might say that. Well, buddy, what do you need to drive the car? Well, no, we're not going to do that. I get that. But let them start figuring things out. And you'll be amazed at that. And what we see, I'm a family therapist, what we see all the time in private sessions is that these parents have been filling in the blanks for 15 years, for 18 years. And now they have an 18-year-old that is completely incompetent and incapable of life because the parents loved them so much, because the parents solved all the problems. So now you have this 18-year-old that's incapable of making that, That's so good. I just want to say this. Like sometimes God not answering your question is the answer you need. Yep. Yep. Sometimes like you're pursuing, you're praying, you're looking for this solution or this answer. And I... I would propose this to you that some of the waiting seasons that you're in right now are actually the very answer you need because you're growing and you're maturing and like you you both do this so well with Michelle and I there's no one that makes us cry more than you like every time every time we talk to you guys um, because you 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 ask us the right questions so that we can process what's happening with us and yeah we're just it's amazing what you are able to foster when you ask the right questions. Okay, continue on, fellas. I know you were going to say something. Well, here's the what what uh, Sean referenced. Here's the genius of God, uh, and I'm convinced that God is the way, way, way beyond genius, just, just the whole design. But here's what we've done over uh, the, the centuries: is we have said, you know, this design that God did with us, such as giving us fear. God doesn't want you to have that. Uh, a guy told me the other day. I thought it was really cool. He said he went to his pastor, and he, he's a new connection coder, and he told his pastor that he's feeling some fear about this. And the pastor said, you know, you just give that fear to Jesus. And he said, but Jesus gave it to me. <laughs> this fear is kind of coaching me. It's tapping me on the shoulder. It's a text message from God saying, danger, beware, there's a risk of harm. Good. Uh, we, you know, we said yesterday, you're allowed to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. You better have some fear because otherwise you jump out of the plane, you're halfway to the ground, and you're like, ooh. The dirt's approaching rapidly. We have a problem here. Uh, as a connection coder, we say a fear-free person will soon be a dead person. Fear helps us to make wise choices, to protect ourselves. I'm glad you feel fear when you're driving on the interstate because you're going, I can't do metric stuff, but you're going like 6,000 miles an hour or kilometers an hour. So I don't know if that translates exactly, but it's close. Um, you're going so fast, you better feel fear. Because the dude beside you is going to get smashed by your car if you don't. 
So I'm glad you feel fear. Now, someone's asking yeah. the question, well, what did Paul say to Timothy? I have not given you a spirit of fear. Right. Well, first of all, it's not the word fear. And I encourage you, you don't have to become a Greek scholar, a Hebrew scholar, but just learn to study Scripture in the original language because there's a big, tremendous misses with transliteration. There are a lot of things that are transliterated falsely. give you a quick example. The word church does not appear in Scripture. That's a made-up word. There is no word church in Scripture. It's the Greek word ekklesia. Ekklesia transliterated into English is probably the word team. And in our culture, at least in the U.S., I assume it's here too, people will say, oh, you go down here about a mile and a half, you'll see a big church on your left, and that's where you turn. That's not possible. Because you think about how silly it would be if they said, you go down here about a mile and a half, and there's a big team on your left, and that's where you'll t- turn. You'd be like, what do you mean a big team? So we've made church a building. It's a place. It's an address. No, it's not. It was never intended to be. And that shit, and you can study the church history of it, it was shifted on purpose because the popes, what the church leadership wanted to build big cathedrals. Well, we have to take the people out of this equation because we don't need money. We don't need contributions to build a big team. Okay, and I know it takes money. I get that. But the point is they were just trying to get the focus off of the people and get the focus on a structure, on a building. So anyway, that's just one example. So the word fear is not used there. Uh, there's a thing going around on Instagram that says that Scripture 365 times says do not fear. Scripture never says do not fear. And then the, the whole point of the, the meme or whatever it's called uh, is that, well, it's obviously a message from God, 365, 365 days in the year. So every day is God saying do not fear. That's not true. The Greek word is probably closer to do not panic or do not run away in fear. You think about it practically and always try to process it through what would this mean practically? So can I just pa- pause you for one second? Because what, what he's saying really is the difference between feeling fear and running away because of fear. Right. There's a yeah. big distinction there. Because yeah. you'll get hit with it. This is what you're talking about. But you don't have to run away yep. because yep. of the it's fear. The big distinction. After. It's not the emotion of it. And you think about practically. So the archangel Gabriel. Now, my understanding is angels are pretty impressive. An archangel is even more impressive. The archangel Gabriel appears to what we think was a 14-year-old girl. Mary, and says, do not fear. And I guess Mary said, sir, yes, sir, I will not fear. Are you kidding me? Do we really think that Mary did not fear? Let's, I mean, come, maybe you think that. I don't understand how you could possibly think that this 14-year-old, first of all, if it was just some random guy that said that to her, I think she'd feel fear. It's an archangel who stands in the presence of the Holy One. And Gabriel says, do not fear. That doesn't make sense. That is so illogical. And him say, if he said to her, do not fear, she'd probably feel more fear. I know I would. If you walk up to me and say, do not fear, I'd be like, what, was I supposed to be feeling fear? I, 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 what, what, what am I not supposed to be feeling fear about? Now I'm feeling fear that I'm not, you know. So Gabriel said to her, do not panic and run away. Well, she can do that. But to say to her, do not fear, we know this now from brain scanning. Brain scans the last 20 years uh, and again, we can put you in a brain scan, and you, I can yell at you all day long to not feel fear. We're just looking at your brain scan. You're feeling fear. And the more I yell at you to not feel fear, the more fear that you're feeling. It's just brain chemistry. And again, I cannot possibly see a creator that says, I'm going to design you this way, and now don't do it. It's the same if, if I say to you, you know what? I want you to transcend as a human being. Don't use oxygen anymore. Just from today on, or you know what, just for this week. We'll start back next week. For this week, don't use oxygen. And you would go, um, I wasn't trying to use oxygen. I just use oxygen. 
well, I want you to mature and evolve as a human being, as a spiritual creature. I want you to transcend that need. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So just for this week, don't use oxygen. Well, you can't do that. So fear and all the core emotions are part of God's design. It was intended to help us. Again, I'm not, don't run away from God, but you, I guarantee you this, when the great prophet Isaiah stood face to face with the Holy One, he said, I am undone. I am overwhelmed. I, a man of unclean lips, have seen the Holy One. And I assume we would hate him, say to him, Isaiah, don't feel fear, buddy. Don't feel fear and don't feel any shame. You're good enough. You're good enough to stand before the Holy One. And Isaiah is saying, I am not good enough. I'm not worth Yes, you are. God loves you. You're good. What? Of course he feels shame. Uh, I said yesterday, it's like me playing LeBron James one-on-one in basketball. Really? I mean, what's the point? You know, could I ever score one point on him? Maybe. I don't know if I got lucky. But I would be so undone. I would be so flooded with shame. Like, I'm just a moron. I look ridiculous here. LeBron James is just dunking over me left and right. And I'm just kind of watching, you know, as he flies by me. Uh, I would be undone. I would be flooded with shame. Like, well, I think I'm pretty incompetent as a basketball player. If you just stand there and say to me, don't feel shame, don't feel shame, that doesn't make any sense. Of course I'd feel shame. I'm completely zero in comparison. And once again, I think in our in our Christian culture, it's been really easy to cast these statements over people. Once again, the distinction, like, don't feel it. But what we're saying is, at the end of the day, don't be guided and governed by it. Don't be ruled by it. Don't be led your whole life by it where it's robbing you of living the life that you could by just simply processing the emotions. So since we're in that vein, can we dive into what are the core emotions? What are the main in the brain? What are the core emotions? I have to check. Is this water or vodka? Because if it's it's water. It's water. I don't know. It could be. I don't know. Do we know who did it? It's water. I just don't want to drink all of it if it's vodka. Well, I have to be careful. We call that vodka here. We don't call it vodka. <laughs> so the, you know, so uh, the, and this is part of the genius of the connection codes. And um, this took us a long time. We're the slow kids in the group to, to learn this. As Phyllis mentioned, so much this grew out of our pain. We were just desperate and overwhelmed. And we're mad at God that he designed this stupid thing called marriage. It's a horrible, practical joke. Uh, we just couldn't figure it out. I mean, we're literally many years. We're two decades into our marriage, and we're just like, I, you know, we think God is a God of love, but this is not funny. This was, and, all, and I kid you not, and this will sound absurd, but all I could figure out was that at the beginning of time, uh, there were no video games, and so God was looking for something entertaining to, to, to watch, and all of a sudden one day he goes, wait a minute, I could put a woman with this man. That would be interesting. And then he got some popcorn and a drink and just watched the uh, entertainment. That, and seriously, I, I, that's what I thought. I thought this was just a joke. This was just entertainment because God was bored or something. I didn't know because I couldn't figure it out. I married this woman on purpose. She married me on purpose, and we could hardly stand to be in the same room together. So what is happening here? I wanted to be with her, and I couldn't stand to be with her, and it was very much mutual. So it didn't make sense to me. So anyway... This is an overview, but many years later, I eventually figured out that emotion is what bonds people, processed emotion, I should say, is what bonds people. 
And I thought that emotion is what separated people. No, when you process the emotion, that's what actually connects you. So then, again, I began researching emotions, studying, studying, studying. And we now know, and again, now all this is all just science. Fifty years ago, we didn't know this. There are five neural regions. Every person in this room breathes oxygen. You know how I know that? Because I'm such a brilliant scientist. I figured that out. You breathe oxygen. And I've never even met you. Am I good or what? Well, no, come on. Everybody breathes oxygen. So that doesn't take any brilliance to figure that out. Well, we now know there are five neural regions in the brain. That's true for every human on the planet. Therefore, I know it's true of you. The five regions are anger, disgust, pleasure, pain, and fear. True for everybody. And they fire in the brain automatically. You don't sign up for them. You don't volunteer. You don't choose them. Uh, And just so you know, and I don't know this culture too much, so please don't throw anything at me. But we tell people all the time, choose faith, not fear. I want to meet the people that are choosing fear. I've never met a person that gets up in the morning and is like, what's my plan for the day? I know. Brilliant idea. I'm going to choose fear. I've never met that person. Maybe there's somebody here that does that. So we don't choose faith over fear. That doesn't make sense. Now, I get it. We walk in faith, but we process the fear. Fear and faith are not opposites. Faith is what drives us. Fear also is happening. They're they're not mutually exclusive. They're happening at the same time. Mary walked in faith. She also felt fear, but she went ahead and did the next right thing. So the five regions, we divide two of the regions, pain and disgust, to come up with what we call the eight core emotions. And I know that it's true of you. You experience eight core emotions. Part of the brilliance of this that makes it so functional is I can handle a list of eight. We don't even know for sure, but there are literally thousands of emotions that we experience. You know, terrified, overwhelmed, uh, anxious, stressed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I don't know all multiple thousands of them. I can't learn those. I can learn a list of eight. And all emotions are either levels of or hybrids of the eight core emotions. So terrified, well, that's an emotion. Somebody says, I'm terrified. Obviously, that's an emotion. Well, that's just a fear experience. We call it 43 feet. That's 43 feet of fear. That's the maximum experience of fear. Way down here at the other end, two feet of fear is going to be a word like uncertain. But there's not a separate region of the brain for uncertain. It's just the fear region. So I'm feeling some uncertainty. I'm feeling some fear about the presentation I'm doing tomorrow. Hesitancy might be a little notch up above that. Apprehension is going to be a little higher. We don't have math, uh, you know, the, the science of the math on any of that. But, you know, let's pretend, you know, apprehension is 17 feet uh, of fear. Dread is probably going to be a higher level uh, of fear with some pain mixed in there, too. I'm really dreading this thing that I have to, to do. So it's amazing when we can narrow it down to the eight core emotions. Now this is manageable for you as an individual and for your friends and for your partner and for your mom. Now I just find out what's happening for you at the core. I just want to find out that, oh, okay, that's a fear experience. If Phyllis walks in the room and says, I'm overwhelmed, I don't have an overwhelmed region of my brain. I don't tune in with that. I mean, I know what the word means, but I don't really get it. If she walks in and says, I feel fear, it's a common language. Every human on the planet knows what fear is. Every human on the planet knows what pain is. Every human on the planet knows what guilt is. So it's our common language, and we speak this. Uh, again, cross-language is not just in English. It's in every language, and that connects us. The other part of the science that's amazing, we just learned this the last few years, is that whenever I say fear, if I say to my partner, babe, I'm feeling some fear about this 
situation, it activates the fear region. It tickles the fear region of her brain, usually at a lower level than what I'm experiencing, but she feels fear too, and it becomes a shared human experience, and we connect through that. That's the genius of God. So now if I'm able to say to her, again, if I say to her, oh, I'm stressed, she doesn't have a stress region of the brain. So it does not activate the same for her. We know this now from brain scanning. I don't say trust me very often, but maybe trust me on that. So just learn to use those words. So if I say to her, I feel pain in this, it tickles the pain center of her brain, becomes a shared human experience, and we bond. Well, and, that. and that's kind of like what Paul said in Galatians. He said it's the law of the Lord to carry each other's burdens. And I think that's that's what happens when you when you share, you process what you're burdened with in that moment. Let's say it's fear. It connects the two of you. And now Phyllis can actually share in the burden that Dr. Glenn is feeling. You know, it is interesting, and I, and I, I know we could really need to sit here all day, right? And we're limited on time to really continue to dive into this. Um, and even when you think about there's certain words that in our church culture we talk about, like fear or shame. And it's interesting because, again, uh, and I'm sure in Canada it's the same as in the U.S., where we have these words, like, I'm so overwhelmed, right? Common here, too. Or, I am so stressed out. And even as believers, I don't know that anyone reacts to that as in uh, kind of, it doesn't fit into the Scripture part, right? As in, um, oh, no, 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 God said have no fear, right? We don't or ever... cast your anxieties upon him. Yeah. Thing, yeah, but I mean, even the word overwhelmed, right? It's like we don't go and, and react to that and go, oh, no, 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 God said don't be overwhelmed. And here's where the scripture is. So we, we come up with other words in a way, and for some of us, we just assume we know what that means for you. Like uh, I had a conversation with a mom. She had a new baby, and she said, I feel so overwhelmed. Well, it's so easy for me just to interpret it into my language of what I experience when I'm overwhelmed. And so I slowed down and I said, so what happens with that with you? And what she actually got to surprised me. She said, I feel fear that my baby's going to die. Whoa, that's not what I had interpreted for my, like when I heard that word overwhelmed, I thought, oh, when I feel overwhelmed, it's usually a sad experience for me because I'm either sleep deprived or my list is way too long to accomplish today. I never think that someone's going to die when I say the word I feel overwhelmed. So I'm so thankful that I slowed down with her. And I said, so what happens for you in that word? And when she said, I feel fear my baby's going to die. Whoa, that connected to my fear region. And I felt the weight of this young mom. And it, it was so bonding. And then I paid a lot of attention to her and got down into what in the world she was experiencing. And not every mom has that young mom, but man, she sure did. And it, and it, beca it became so much so that it was affecting every minute of her day, this fear experience. And sometimes that comes from past events, right? From possibly... Uh, a, a miscarriage in the past or uh, some trauma as a child. Like, there, there's times when you got to find out more. 
And I love that God gave this to us as a gift to connect us with other humans. Uh, we, we say that we don't connect through logistics. We connect through emotion. And we often get that wrong. We think that um, the, the connector is, is, you know, the everyday stuff. Like, oh, we're connected right here because we all show up here on Sundays and because we all love God. And that alone is going to connect us. And it's like, it may or it may not. If we don't connect to the emotion that the others are experiencing around us, we're missing each other. And we're sitting here in such loneliness because we don't feel known. We don't feel that anyone really cares that we're here. And it's through the emotion that we go, so what's happening with you? Loneliness is such a real thing. And I think more and more, uh, as we encounter people, I'm amazed at how many people are really lonely, and yet they're surrounded by people. So we got to be talking about this. And I know for me, um, I had to redefine the word lonely, because there's a lot of us, um, like for me, I don't mind being by myself. Matter of fact, I kind of like it. People are more draining for me. And so if someone says, do you ever feel lonely? My first response is, oh, no, no, no. I can't wait to be alone. Well, then I have to redefine it. And I go, oh, okay, let me redefine that word. For me, how often do you feel alone in the responsibility of every day? Oh, my goodness. Ding, ding, ding. That's a winner for me. So my brain is firing lonely all the time because I feel that burden of I'm, I'm here, I'm doing this thing, and I'm responsible. You know, when Glenn was in school getting his doctorate, I supported us financially. I felt alone in that. I felt the burden of that. I'm the one responsible for keeping this boat afloat. And I'm, I'm paying all the bills, and I got to make this happen. So I felt alone in that, and that was very lonely. And then I, I owned a company, a female owner of a company in Nashville, Tennessee, I didn't know a lot of other female owners. My world was more with men. I felt alone as a woman in that place. But I didn't realize that was what how to define loneliness. But it really helped me. It, it, it really was good for me to be able to tune in. So for some of you, you may have to find the core emotions, which I know we may run out of time before we get them all out, but we do have our material in the back. Oh, well, on the screen too, for you to understand, okay, here's what's firing in my brain. If all of us could get plugged up on a machine today, you could prove it to yourself and you'd be like, whoa, look at me. I am full of, you know, those, spi those spikes that show what's happening for you. Yeah, it's real. It's science. And God, it's such a, to me, an, uh, a wonderment, an awesomeness of God that he put this in us and he wants to communicate to us through that. And he, it's, you know, you, even with, you mentioned fear. I mean, it's, these are our guides. They, they guide us through life. It's on purpose. Like, we need to be aware. We need to, to be in tune with what is happening for us. And by ignoring them, we're not smarter versions of us. Uh, matter of fact, we end up being dumber versions of us when we're not tuning in. Yeah, and I was going to mention the science of that that we now know is that the limbic system engages before the cortexes. The limbic system is what houses, what's the central command center of emotion. The cortexes are where thought and reason, logic, what we call the executive functions of the brain occur. 
when the limbic system is flooded, the cortexes either don't engage at all sometimes or they operate less efficiently. So now you are a dumber version of yourself. Not because you're dumb. It's because you're human. And your limbic system is flooded. And we're trying to get people to operate proficiently and they're flooded. They're looking at, they're in a, a smoke-filled room and we're trying to get them to read the, R I, the eye chart across the room. They can't see it. And we're like, what's the matter with you? You can't read? You don't even know your letters? No, they can't see it. It has nothing to do with whether or not they're dumb. It has to do with the fact that there's smoke in the room. I loved what um, Harley said earlier as far as so many of us get caught in a circle. We just get stuck. And we reference it as the cycle a lot. You just get stuck in this cycle that speeds up and becomes a cyclone and just wrecks your life. Well, that's the unprocessed emotion. Uh, just this morning, we were having a conversation uh, with someone who immediately went to his childhood and started talking about things he had experienced in his childhood that still affects him today. Well, he's stuck in that. He hasn't processed all that. Not because he's bad. He just hasn't done it yet. And as he's able to process that more and more and get that, you know, process it through his system, then he becomes smarter and smarter. It's amazing to watch people, uh, especially when, you know, we do what we call an intake, our first session with somebody, and, and we're very kind and gentle with people, but we're watching them. We're like, this dude's dumb as a brick. I mean, he just operates stupid. And I'm talking about things like addictions, you know, he went and bought a car he could never afford, and now their finances are wrecked. That car is going to be repossessed next month. Uh, and it's like, how can he be so dense? Because he has unprocessed emotion. His limbic system is flooded, and he can't think straight. So he's operating stupid. He's not stupid. He's flooded. And that's true for most of us. At, well, true for all of us at various points in our lives. We get so flooded with emotion, we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to process it. And, unfortunately, in so many of our faith-based communities, people are telling us to stop it. Stop feeling fear. Stop feeling shame. No, no, no. Process the fear. Process the shame. Just for the record, this is a side note, it's worth saying, we now know scientifically there is one situation where sweat mixes with blood. I don't know if that rings a bell for you. Scripture says that sweat, Jesus' sweat mixed with blood, and it's with sustained fear sustained intense fear and I assume that many of us would stand beside Jesus and go Jesus choose faith not fear surely not in context Je that was the garden of Gethsemane under pressure yeah. fear yeah yeah, yeah. and, and again think about it logically do we really think that Jesus didn't feel any fear going into this he didn't I don't know what details he knew but he knew he was about to undergo something brutal and we are thinking Jesus was like this won't be that big of a deal. No, 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 no. He knew it was going to be a really big deal. It was going to be brutal. Of course he felt fear. If he didn't feel fear, he's not human. I mean, come on. There's no human that would be able to be headed towards that and not feel fear. And Jesus processed the fear uh, with the Holy One, attempted to with his uh, closest friends, and they kept falling asleep on him. Um, but that's just what's happening for him. And he processed through what was happening in the moment. That's really good. And just because for the sake of time, because this is something, I know I mentioned it to you on the side yesterday, um, the processing your fears and ooing each other works, and it does connect you. Um, but the hiccup that I've noticed, um, even for Sean and I, like at the beginning especially, is when somebody's processing their emotion, to just ooh and not, interrupt or not even though they're saying something and they're like oh I felt 
sad when you said that and you want to be like, oh, wait, like, I, that's not what I said. I said this. Like, I just need to reassure him that's not what I said because then he wouldn't feel sad, right? Like, you want to just... Logistics. Logistics, right? And so, or they're like, oh, I'm angry because you always do this. And you're like, well, no, I don't always, though. I don't always. And so, even yesterday when I was observing people, couples doing the will, I could see that you're, the other person just supposed to ooh, and there's like, it's like hard to... What would you say to that? To not feel offended? Well, I mean, you're going to feel shame. You're going to feel all the emotions when you hear the will, especially when it's in between relationship and it's towards each other. How how do you stay well, in here, that place? Can I say this? What if they demonstrate? Because I think that's the most powerful. You Both of you yeah. do it so well. Because we need to get a, a, a model for it. A model for it, and I, I, I want to add to what Michelle said, like, because man, we wish we had more time. Like, I want to, I really want to hit that cognitive block. Yeah, yeah. That cognitive block, I love that with the cloud, that the, the smoke not being able to see. But like, we want to, like, these are all the, you can see on the screen, these are all the, the eight main core emotions that the brain is firing, and the goal is to get it all out so we can move ahead and move forward. And you know, you guys mention this all the time, like, you know, if we're flooded. This is what I wanted to hit, but I wanted to go back to Michelle really quick. If we're flooded with, like, the smoke the smoke in our head and we can't see clearly, so we make dumb decisions, we buy Lamborghinis we can't afford, it's repossessed, we lose everything. Like, so many people are not able to build a healthy career. They're not succeeding at work. They're losing jobs. Marriage is falling apart. All because of that. Because they just can't think clearly. So they do stupid stuff every day because they're not processing this in a safe environment where logistics aren't being argued and then we're just missing out on life so i think it would be awesome if you could just maybe model for us what it looks like to go through this and and what would you say just before you do it like the single person in here that's not in a relationship how do like they're learning this but you know how do they do this with someone they don't know that doesn't know the wheel like they want to argue everything that, that they're doing you know how do you how do you say how do you what would you say to them well i actually wanted to go back to the garden of gethsemane where the guy all the all the guys fell asleep i love that because that didn't change jesus's experience and i think he still processed that fear right he still acknowledged it talked about it through prayer and i I love the imagery of God just ooing him because God could have said, it's okay, bud, I got you. I got you at the end, right? Which is our quick go-to. But it's like you realize and you experience it if you can visualize those moments. God was just present with him. And that is that ability when you're by yourself, whether it's that you're single or you're married and yet you're processing, it often... For me, I process by myself um, moments through the day, whether it's I'm walking, I'm out in the woods in the back of our property, or I'm in the car by myself, and I'm just going, what's happening with me? And it can be a form of prayer, but it's like it centers me. I'm like, ah, this is what I'm experiencing. And then, yeah, when I'm with Glenn, I can do it with Glenn or with friends, but it is such a gift that it is, it can be a form of prayer where you know you're you're saying out loud you know with, with God I'm I'm feeling 
you know, fear about this and shame about this and guilt about this. So, um, and you do feel his presence in those moments, even though you're by yourself. So uh, we talk a lot about co-regulating, which is very powerful. And even scientifically, we know that. Um, but that's when it's great to be in relationship with others who will do this with you. Yeah, and we all need that, uh, single, married, whatever. Uh, everybody needs community. And I go back and study synagogue, the whole setup of that, uh, again, I think reflects the genius of God, uh, you know, getting into ecclesia, which was built on the concept of synagogue, that we all need connection. We all need relationships. Everybody uh, does to be able to process through uh, what's happening for us to become smarter versions uh, of ourselves. So for single people, and our dream is that uh, the connection goes spread throughout the world. Eight billion people is our goal. Uh, and that in kingdom culture, that's just how people roll. They're present with each other. They're slow with each other. Uh, they help each other process through what's happening because each of us knows that the other one will become smarter in the next literally 30 seconds. You'll watch people. It blows my mind to watch people. When she was running her business, which was the earlier days of us discovering the connection codes, and I would watch her get smarter in 45 seconds. And I was the hero. And I didn't do anything. I literally just oohed the girl. Like she would come, and what I used to do is try to help her. Like she'd come and she'd go, oh, this problem with business and this isn't working out. I'm like, well, try this, try that, try that. And we now know from brain scanning that what I was doing was reactivating the pain for her. Not from a bad heart. I wasn't trying to hinder her. I wasn't trying to harm her. But I was making it worse. And as I learned to become a connection coder, uh, and I oohed the girl, and I would watch her get smarter in 45 seconds, and she would figure it out. She'd be like, babe, thank you so much for helping me. And like, we'd be on the phone and I hang up the phone. I'm like, I don't think I said like three words. I said a bunch of oohs, but I didn't say anything to her. And she thinks that I'm a genius because I helped her solve the problem of her business. No, no, no. Her limbic system cleared out. Her cortex is engaged. She solved the problem. And now she'll know what to do this afternoon and tomorrow. Again, I'm telling, don't, maybe don't even mention that to Phyllis, but I look like the hero. She thinks I'm amazing. Well, actually, I'm just ooing. I'm a good ooer. And because of that, her genius surfaces, and she figures it out because I was present with her, safe for her, and I helped her process through what was happening. Dr. Hill, we're going to run out oh, of yes, time. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That does happen. That's what yes, it does. All right. But so it's metric time, so it's, isn't it different? Uh, I don't think so. Mm -mm. No. All right. So we're going to demonstrate the wheel. Um, and again, this has been amazing being here. We have more information out in the lobby. And so if this is all new to you, please get more. Don't stop here. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Uh, okay. Let's see. I think I'll start uh, with shame. Felt um, shame probably throughout this weekend of not getting all the information to Sean in time and wow. even coming into this morning kind of, um, we do this well, but I know Sean needs a little more information. Oh. Um, guilt, I guess I felt guilt about that too, that um, we didn't meet our deadlines. It was late last night. We were still getting stuff to Sean. Um, fear, I think fear in the moment is um, just, are we communicating in a way that people can hear yeah. the God message wow. in this? Yeah. I know there's fear in me and just feeling like we're going against scripture and things like that. Um, hurt, oof, let's see. I think um, I have felt a lot of hurt 
lately with your family mm. and um, just really disregarded yeah. and sad, sad that your mom is dying and we've taken care of her for 10 years. So the, the hurt and the sad and the lonely in this moment is a lot right. about all of that. Yeah. And as a daughter-in-law feeling unappreciated by your family because I've cared for her for 10 years. Um, anger, definitely a lot of core level anger about um, what's happening right now and the, the fighting uh, among your family um, instead of uniting to bring the last few days of her life into a positive ending. A lot of anger about that. Um, joy, oh my goodness. We're in Ottawa, yeah. and it's a beautiful city with beautiful people, yeah. and I love being here. I love traveling with you, and yeah. being among these people has been really special. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, for me, just so much joy getting to do anything, everything, mm. all the things with yeah. you. I mean, life with you blows my mind, especially, mm. you know, thinking back to so much of the pain yeah. that yeah. we lived through for so long. Yeah. Your loyalty to me when you mm. think probably should have exited or certainly mm. could have exited and you didn't. Yeah. Uh, and there's so much pain that we missed mm. so badly. A lot of guilt in that for me. I'm a smart yeah. guy and wow, that I miss over and mm. over and over again. Wow. Uh, and shame in that, mm. how in the world I was gifted so much, mm. uh, so much just talent and ability and was clueless about the thing that mattered the most uh, in life and that it took so long uh, to get mm -hmm. there. Uh, some fear, kind of like you said, I, I feel fear that people will leave today going, well, that was that was blasphemous. Or, mm. or and I just wow. hope that people will just check it out and pursue yeah. it and they'll yeah. uh, just get new information so mm. that, it, that it helps and it fits. Yeah. I always yeah. feel fear that we miss on stuff because yeah. this is serious, deep, deep stuff uh, yeah. people. Um, some loneliness in our quest. It's a pretty mm. big challenge to reach 8 billion people. So yeah. uh, we've not quite got to 1% yet. <laughs> and we're old, so we have to hurry yeah. up. Um, but, you know, just loneliness because it's a big, big quest, big challenge. Mm. And, you know, relationships, especially marriage, are wrecked all over yeah. the world. It's just ruined. Wow. And it's pretty desperate. We've got to uh, make, make an effect, mm. make a, an impact. Uh, here, let's see how close am I? Anger, anger in that. Um, just I'm driven in mm, this. Yeah. That's the reason we do what we do. Just the fact that we get to live this. That's plenty. I'm I'm good. We'll sail off into the sunset and mm, just go on cruises yeah. all the time. I like that. And we just can't do that. We just mm. have so much to do, and yeah. uh, we have to get this message out. And it pisses me off that we've, mm. as a society and as a world, have missed so 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 badly. Yes, we have. On Jesus' thought, just love love each other. Take care of each other, and we don't even have a clue mm. how to do that. We wow. think it's all about, you know, we'll just love God passionately, and then everything's mm. fine, and we miss the second commandment that wow. is yep. likened to the first, as Jesus mm. said. What about sad and hurt? Did I miss that? Mm. Well, I get just talking about the pain of our early oh. years, and, you know, we were so traumatized. I mean, we just... Yeah damaged each other so much. We still, you know, raises this ugly head. It still affects yeah. us today. Some just the, the ramifications of yeah. all that hurt and sadness. Mm. Thank you. That's amazing. Wow. I, I love this. Woo!
And I see how they just heard each other. They stayed, didn't interrupt each other. Um, and if Glenn would have shared something with Phyllis that would have really sparked an emotion in you, after he processed his emotion, felt heard, then she could kind of bring it to him, some of the emotions she's felt. But it's the point is to really slow you guys down. And this is just a tool, but you want to eventually have that in your lifestyle. So at first, we had to be very intentional to sit down and do it like this. And we still have to continue to do it like this. But it's like, it's in passing. It's in passing. And we like to tell the story about the keys because the keys used to be a point of tension. Like if the keys weren't on the hook, like- Car keys, car keys. Car keys weren't on the hook. Like Sean would start to panic and his panic would not always come out great. And then I, he seemed like a wolf to me. So then I would attack back. And then it would just escalate into a cyclone from there. So, like, context, you know, you're leaving the house, you're in a rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't find the keys. Like, where's the oh keys? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yes. Where are the keys? And it's all fair. I'm late. Vice versa, right? It's fair. And, but now I'll just hear Sean, like, say, like, fear. I'm feeling some fear that the key is not on the thing. And I feel like I'm not being attacked at this point. He's just processing what's happening for him. And I feel like I'm, like, jumping up trying to help him right away. Like there's Versus, like... You put the keys in your one of your ten jackets. Is like, where is it? Like, it's not my look responsibility my to look for your keys. <laughs> I have to mention real quickly, just as far as the science, because uh, again, I beg you to go to connectioncoast.co. Just start researching this. You'll be startled at the effect it has on you. But the the connection codes are called the codes because we're coded this way. We're hardwired from birth. I'm faith based. I have a deep, deep abiding faith in the Creator. If you're not, that's fine. I'm not judging you. It's still the human condition. And if you watch your babies, you watch your one-year-old, they're incredible connection coders. They convey all the time. They show up their authentic self. Uh, now, again, love what Harley shared, that we break the circle that's drowning us, that's strangling us when we show up as our authentic self. Well, babies do that. Babies don't know how to be inauthentic. If you notice this, young moms, especially 3 o'clock in the morning, you know what the baby does when it wakes up and it feels alone, it feels loneliness, it feels fear? It looks at its watch and it goes, you know what? I bet mom's tired. I'm going to let her sleep in until 7, and then I'll tell her what I was experiencing at 3. Nope. Well, here's some laughter out there because you're like, uh, that ain't how my baby operates. It's because they're coded to let you know what's happening for them instantly in the moment. And I get it. We're grown-ups. We have some responsibilities. But that coding never changes. We get reprogrammed. We get told, stop being authentic. But that coding never changes. You're supposed to be your authentic self all the time. It's amazing. I We could go, I just don't want to stop. How many of you enjoyed this? And that was just a little bit. Yeah. You guys, I would really encourage for you guys to do the master class. Yeah. Buy their book. Like, lean into this. Get to know this. If you have to master one thing in life, master this. You'll have great relationship with your spouse, your kids. Kids, game changer. A great relationship with kids. Your the coworkers. The doesn't have to be brutal, guys. Yep. It doesn't have to be brutal. Yep. And I watched them in their relationship with their kids. Their kids are adults now, and they have great relationship with their kids. Their kids are helping them with this. Their kids believe in this as well because they've seen the fruit. They've seen the fruit of the parents' relationship. Kids are amazing at observing. And so lean into this. And yep. And if you yeah. want, we have their book available, the Connection Codes book, available in the lobby. I believe it's at the financial kiosk. So if you want to pick up a book, actually, I'd encourage you. We have limited supply left. 
uh, pick it up. I know. And, and, and even if, you know, you read it, bless someone with it or buy some for some friends or whatever the case. I just want to say this as we close. You know, you probably have never witnessed anything like this. I would, I would conjecture to say that you, most people in the room have never seen a couple like this do what they just did. And I don't know about you, but it's like, I, I guess this is the science. Like, you guys are sharing and I'm getting emotional. It's not even my emotion. So, like, not only is it disconnecting both of you, like, we're all connected to you. It's like when you share, how many felt, like, a shift when you're, you're observing this moment, you feel something happening in your own brain, in your own soul. Like, you feel it. I was getting emotional just watching you, you, you do that. And so there's power in this, not just for you and the person you're doing it with, those around you. That's why they always say, and it's, uh, this is my big challenge. I struggle with this. Do the wheel with each other in front of your kids. I can't do it without crying. And sometimes I just don't feel like crying in front of my kids. And I know that maybe it sounds so like, you know, weak or whatever, but sometimes I just don't feel like crying in front of my kids. And, but I know why, man, because then we start crying, my kids start crying, everyone starts crying, and it's like, oh my God. It's like, uh, I'm drained. I'm like, I need like three hours to recover from that, you know? Um, okay, can I say, I know we're out of time, but I just have to say that. When Sean does that, he's training his children next year when you're struggling. You can come talk to dad because dad has shown you how to be authentic. Dad has shown you how to be vulnerable. Dad has shown you how to be real. And what most of us do, and we dads are worse about it typically than moms, typically the dad says, I'm not affected by anything. You know what your 15-year-old is going to do whenever they're affected by something? They can't go talk to dad. You know, Malachi ends what we call the, the Old Testament with saying, that God is going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the children to the fathers. In our culture now, the children, I don't like saying never, never turn to their fathers because their fathers have been showing them how not to be authentic, how not to be vulnerable for 12 years. So this 15-year-old is not going to turn to the father. So this is a very, very powerful tool to change that and implement exactly what Malachi wanted to see. Can we just stand up just as we close here? I know we're way over time here, but and we, we wanted to do something really specific and unique today. I don't think we're going to have the time to do it, but I would like to take maybe two more minutes if we can. Just, I don't know how to facilitate this necessarily. Um, and we can keep the, if we can keep the connection code wheel on the screen so that we had up there just a second ago, just keep it on the screen just for now. And if we could just maybe take two minutes, and I, I'd love it just if you would feel free in this moment to do this. Just go through the wheel with God right now. Just just go through all the areas of your life. And you may be like, I don't know when the last time I felt sad was. Well, it could have been 10 years ago. As far as your awareness, I'm sure you felt sad before that, but you might only remember 10 years ago. Last time you felt a little bit of shame. You felt like a failure. You felt like... I'm just not good enough. You felt the guilt, the weight of a mistake you made. You felt hurt. Something happened at work. You felt lesser than and somebody hurt you. They didn't like your project. They didn't like what you presented or you felt lonely because maybe that's just been your season. You just feel constant loneliness and I don't have to go through all of them. Fear and, and, and anger and, and joy. When was the last time you felt joy? Just Let's just take a minute or two. Can we do that? 
and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pray and, and just, just speak it out loud you guys don't be afraid to to go through this with him he is your ever-present help in time of need we believe that he's here he can handle all that he felt all that feels all of that for you and so God we just thank you and just as I'm praying I just want you to just be free and just go through it go through it out loud don't do it in your head there's power in the audible there's power in the confession that's why we do there's power in the the releasing it out of your mouth and so God we thank you that you are here right now to help us on this journey we process our all the emotions that we have felt in the last season maybe even coming out of the pandemic still we're still picking up the pieces of our lives and, and we feel the sadness and we still feel the loneliness and we still feel the fear and all these things God we just we get it out we just get it out we process it with you you hear us you listen to us and we just pray that as we do this God you would restore and just bring healing to our hearts and health to our minds and that you'd give us a new energy and kick in our step as we move forward in this season. And God, we thank you. There is so much joy that you went to a cross and died a sinless death to reconcile us back to you. And that is the most amazing thing. We feel so much joy that you did this. In fact, you said, for the joy set before you, you endured a painful death on a cross you endured the hurt you endured the sad you endured the lonely you endured the anger you endured the betrayal you endured the fear you endured all of it on a cross to reconcile us all humanity back to you and maybe you're in this room right now and you've you've never let Jesus into your world maybe you've grew, grew up around church or grew up around religion you've never said yes to Jesus being king in your life there's only one king, and his name is Jesus, and he died on a cross, a sinless death, so he could restore you back to relationship, that connection. You were designed more than anything. You were designed to be in connection with him, and because of that, you can connect even deeper with those around you. So if you're in this room, in Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that he was truly raised to new life on the third day, you will be saved. Simply a starting point saying, hey, Jesus, I believe you are the real deal. Like you are legit, that you are king. Jesus, you said there's, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to the Father except through me. And today, we just say thank you for the joy that was set before you because of that we can know you in relationship and have friendship with God. So maybe that's you in the room right now. You've never said yes. And I just want to encourage you. Just say Jesus right now in the room. Say, Jesus, we believe you are God. And we just accept your invitation into relationship this morning. And we receive your forgiveness for our past, present, and future sin. All the things that you knew we would do, you died on a cross before we ever even screwed up. You died for our sin. And we thank you. There's so much joy in that. And so we thank you for relationship today. We pray that this day for it would be, from this day on it would be totally different, God. We would just have a whole new perspective of who you are moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen. If you opened up your heart to that, 
for the first time, that's the best decision you'll ever make in your life, and it's only a starting point. We want to encourage you, please talk to one of our team. We don't have any ministry team today. Wow, what a powerful Sunday. I hope you got a chance to connect to this message. If you never said 